everybody, to the Friday Night Lights podcast. I'm Blake, and I'm here with Russ. Hey. And Lyle. Hey, what's going on? And we are not joined this time by Pat. Pat is celebrating his anniversary with his wife today, and so we wish them a happy anniversary. And um, look forward to having him back, hopefully, as the uh, as the show starts back up after the first of the year. But today, we are going to be discussing the episode In the Bag, which is episode seven of Friday Night Lights. And um, at first, I, I kept watching, wondering I didn't get the the uh, significance of the title until because it was never actually said until still towards the end. But um, I think again, this episode is one of those that starts kind of putting pieces in place and looking at it as episode seven, we're right at the midpoint of the entire season. So we're I think they put things in place, and from what I understand, things are about to get rolling pretty hopefully a lot faster. And um, seeing some some storylines come to mesh together. But didn't you think at least it was a little, I thought it was a little bit, I thought I picked up a little bit from last week. Um, I thought it was a little bit better than last week's episode. Oh, agreed. Definitely. So just because there were more things that happened. Yeah, it was better. Uh, what do you think was in the bag? Is this a Pulp Fiction type situation <laughs> where we wonder what's in that briefcase the whole time? They kept staring at it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was very Pulp Fiction-like. I love how he said it's going to disappear too. Like maybe it's it's Vince's soul, you know, like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, um, they had a lot of ambiguities. I, I don't know why they still haven't said where Matt went. Like I don't understand that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, or, you know, I think last week I said that you know he didn't even get to pack. He didn't even get to take a bag or anything. But I, I ended up rewatching it with my wife later on. And it was the next morning when he left. It was nighttime when he was sitting outside of his house listening to his mom and grandmother discuss the values of getting a new television. And it was morning, the ne- probably early morning, it seemed almost at sunrise as he was leaving out with Bob Dylan singing to him. I thought he drove through the night and the sun was coming up. Uh, good point. Good point. I don't know. Was that San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know where I would have gone, Guatemala. <laughs> Guatemala. You remember the uh, the woman who helped Grandma? Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. I almost forgot about her. Fair enough. Oh, uh, Carlotta. Yeah. Another yeah. <laughs> day. Yeah. Maybe I, that's where he went. But he's got a place to stay apparently because he's called his grandmother and his mom and let her know. But uh, I I feel some of Julie's pain there, not understanding why at least he couldn't let her know. You know, she's like even after three years, he still can't let me know. So I understand. I guess he is going through a lot, but it's still a little bit of a jerk move to not at least let her know. Yeah, it, I don't. I mean, I know that they tried to get him as much screen time. I don't like the way that he just bolted and bailed. A guy that and we don't know where he is. It's very weird. Is it going to be some bombshell where he shows up wearing a beret and a scarf, and he's like a Paris street artist or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why are they keeping it such a secret wherever he is? Wouldn't it be awesome if they like just drove to Austin and he was like really poor and doing like caricatures of people, like this big head thing? Just drawing hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I don't really, I don't really like that. I, just the fact that he's gone so much. But isn't he, isn't he making some return appearances, kind of like Lala Garrity late appearances? Or yeah, I did think I just so. Make that up. No, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that he does. Well, when he drove off, I didn't think he was really gone for good. I just thought he was riding around through the night, and they were trying to make it look like he was leaving for good. And then they just were like, yeah, he's gone. 
I was surprised that he was really gone. Yeah, I agree. Because it was, you know, a lot of people are asking last week, is he gone for good or is that just him driving off some steam and having some thinking time? Yeah. And I don't even know, like, I don't even know why. I don't think it's that hard to write in when Julie's at the table with his mom and grandmother. Oh, he got his place in wherever Chicago, Austin. Guatemala. Yeah, Guatemala, whatever. <laughs> Maybe he's in Guatemala, and they know that Julie can't take that. <laughs> yeah, they're trying. I don't know that he'd have to look very hard to find a place to live in Guatemala, though. You know where I wish that he'd end up? I wish that he would play football at a, a small school, like a Division two or three school or something. Because surely he would have a, his character would have had enough talent to do that if he won the Texas State Championship and got him back in the championship game another year and everything. Like, right. I would like to see him just in a tiny little school. Yeah. I don't know that football is in his future, though. There there was very little football in this episode, too. And usually there's not a whole lot, but there yeah. was not any game footage or practice footage or anything like that. Yeah, just basically that opening scene where Vince is named the quarterback, you know, yeah. and that was it. Did you notice that? Go back and watch sometime, and maybe this happens, and I just don't know it. But when they're naming Vince the quarterback, and Eric throws him the red jersey and all, the guy just to his left is wearing eyeglasses out there on the practice field. Like he took his helmet off and he has on eyeglasses. Like Lucas? <laughs> I can't, like Lucas. Wow. The Eric Dickerson. <laughs> yeah. No, but they, there were no there were no straps. There were no eating as like, you know, somebody that's sitting in a, a library or in their kitchen, you know, with eyeglasses. That, you I, remember in the early 90s for Arkansas, there was a defensive lineman who wore like horn rim glasses like Buddy Holly. No, he was Brandon the center. Burleson. His offense. Yeah, he was, he he was the center because he's the one that he's the one who tripped um Sterner on that fumble. He was a walk on, ended up being an all American and ended up getting he got killed or died or something his senior year, didn't he? Yeah, they have a yeah. big uh, scholarship fund for in his name or something now. But he wore like Buddy Holly glasses on the field. Yes, they were huge. It's the only, yeah, it's the only other guy I've ever heard of doing that besides the front of that lights guy. He I'm Drew just going to chalk it up to that being a tribute to Burleson from Arkansas from about 1992. No, no, they weren't like that. <laughs> They're like the same eyeglasses you go to Fred's and buy off the rack. They weren't like strapped and, and solidified. That's what I'm trying to say. Go back and take a look at it and see how, uh, how huh. ludicrous it looks. Yeah. I'll try to get a screen cap and put it up there because that, that bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did is there any question we should ask him about who reported Vince's gun in his locker? Do you think that was Calvin Brown? I'm wondering if it not may not be JD. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. After the run in at the local Sears, you know, electronics section. I don't know. I don't know that the, the like. There's too much to that, other than the fact that I was like, "Who? I wonder who did that?" Because they were, they, you know, because he asked. He said, "Who called or whatever?" And they were like, "Just let us see the locker." The police yeah. are here, and you know, there's one thing if you're ransacking a place, but if you're in a locker room with a bunch of football players standing around, and the guy's stuff that you're throwing around is right there, they weren't like looking through gently. I mean, they were like throwing shoes and dumping bags out, like you know, they were ransacking the place. Yeah, it was nothing here. Look, they're trying to humiliate you in front of all your friends. Maybe nobody, no, maybe nobody reported it, and they just needed, you know, they just figured the gun, so they just went in there and. And he was, you know, he's gotten all this trouble before. Well, too, you know, 
as the police are walking in, you see, uh, I guess it's Coach Stan and Vince, and they're obviously showing a little bit more camaraderie after Stan stood up for them last week at the store. They're like, hey, yeah, this guy can do 50 sit-ups in 30 seconds. And he was doing like one sit-up every two seconds. And I was thinking, okay, you're at <laughs> you're at four, and you've taken like about seven seconds. You're, you got to step it up, buddy. Um, the reason I asked about um, Calvin Brown is because he made his little devil horn appearance again. Is he, um, do you think, I mean, I'm guessing that he's approaching Billy about being a chop shop. Yeah. Is, is that what y'all yeah. think? Yeah. yeah. I, I knew with absolute certainty that when I saw strippers and underage drinking <laughs> and all manners of debauchery, that Calvin Brown would be at that party. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's definitely, it's, it's like his theme music. It's like, it's like he's a wrestler and sin is his theme music. But he he and Billy acted as if they've known each other before. Um, yeah, like he came up to him. But you, you think about it, Billy has always been in some get rich quick schemes, you know, with this with this was it copper wire? Was it was that what it was last year? Yeah, he stole that stuff. Um, you know, he was dealing with the meth head guy too, the guy that Tim uh lived with for a little while. Um Billy he he just he's I don't know, he can't get things together, it seems. And who's shocked that he does not have health insurance? <laughs> well, yeah, he's one of the okay. That reminded me of something. Remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about how the show doesn't politicize anything? Right. We were talking about with the with the whole Iraq Military. thing and his dad down in Iraq. I think they kind of are politicizing stuff now. <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, he he is one of the millions. You know, forty-seven million or a hundred? How many? I don't have any idea. But is it taking a political angle on things, or is it just being realistic of that? That's that's real life in a small town Texas. Well, I don't know. He's about to turn to a life of crime. That's what he can have because he doesn't have health insurance. Right. Yeah. Everybody doesn't do that. Well, he, <laughs> he, he he's been a life of crimer even beforehand, though. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But what True. what a what a place to go into false labor at the Whataburger drive through. Yeah, yeah. Um it is, uh, Whataburger does not seem as appetizing as Ray's barbecue. Ray's barbecue rocks. <laughs> Everybody's I'm excited about the expansion of places to eat in Dillon with this season. We went from only Applebee's and Alamo Freeze to the barbecue place and Whataburger. It's really we're really learning it's rounding out the places to eat at least. And there's now. that one nice restaurant in town that they always go to. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! They were there this week. Yeah, yeah. It's the McCoy money that's coming in and circulating through Dylan that's making everybody better. Trickle down economics. <laughs> that's right. It's Reaganomics in effect right there. Have they always called the bull Kit Kat? By the way, I, I just thought know. it was funny that <laughs> that's the bull's name. He's like, we can't sell Kit Kat. It was a good episode for animal naming, also Kit Kat and Skeeter. <laughs> um, Skeeter looks just like my dog. Only my dog has a tail and not a little short, short tail. You know, talking and listening about how the actors are able to have a lot of freedom and in their lines and all. Did you get the impression that Taylor Kitsch was just there freestyling the whole time <laughs> with Skeeter? <laughs> Probably. Why are you whining now? I just gave you a name. Don't, yeah. don't do it. Don't go in here. I got to stop and get, let you out. That's going to talk hey, about. Speaking of. Speaking of Taylor Kitsch, I had a uh, Friday Night Lights revelation the other day. 
Did you know on Snakes on the Plane, Snakes on a Plane, the scene where the two people are getting on in the bathroom? That is that's Tim Riggins. At the very beginning. Yeah. The, the snake, I have the not snake seen venom. Snakes on a Plane except for that very last scene. When, you know, when he when delivers his infamous line. I've seen the first like 15 minutes of it, and that did have Tim Riggins in it, and he did get bitten by a snake inappropriately. <laughs> yeah. It was not a good ending for Tim Riggins in that movie. Wow. That. Man, every single actor that I know and respect and like has had some sort of horrible role in film before. Hey, let me let me tell you this other one. Around Halloween week, I work at a kind of like a summer camp, and the whole staff got together and turned off all the lights, and we were watching uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake on the big screen. And a lot of the girls hadn't seen it. Everybody's on like total edge and jumping out of their skin every two seconds. And it's a very tension filled room. And the last scene, Buddy Garrity comes up as a truck driver and the whole place <laughs> went crazy. And I was like, it's Buddy Garrity. And started screaming and cheering. And nobody was scared of the movie after that. That's awesome. Speaking of Buddy, this was the first episode that we've not seen him at all in this, even like any crowd shots. Yeah. Maybe he just needed a week a- off. I'm going to need more Buddy Garrity. I have a feeling Buddy will be back. I I agree. I, I need him to to play a stronger role in the in the series. Even when Lala came back, they hardly showed Buddy at all. <laughs> yeah, he was just in the stands. That's right. Oh, um, well, we didn't see him at all last week, though, did we? She just mentioned him. We I mean, did see him in the stands yeah. once last week. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, stands, that's it. And the week yeah. before, we just saw him at the funeral. You know, I guess he talked to Matt at the wake. You know, kept mm-hmm. talking about what a good thing his dad had done. Yeah. Are you seeing a parallel with Coach Taylor and Vince as we did with Coach Taylor and Smash? I think so. I mean, I guess I, there are a lot of something that we talked we talked about, you know, how none of the characters have good lives. Something I noticed about the whole Luke story was a lot of characters really have daddy issues. Like that's pretty. That's a pretty prevalent theme, right? Because even Luke's kind of has this dad who doesn't respect him or anything like that. Just wants to work on the farm and all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> so, I guess I, that's a pretty prevalent theme in a lot of like television and movies. But still, I know both of you guys have listened to the article. I mean, the uh, interview with Peter Berg that he had done on one of the Sports Guys podcast. But do you remember that when Peter Berg was talking that initially the thoughts were that Luke was going to be a player whose dad did not want him to play ball because of religious reasons. Yeah, I did hear that. That's on the 30 for 30 podcast. Uh-huh. And so they shifted up that perspective a little bit, but it still seems like his dad hasn't really thought football is that big of a deal. Um, you know, that, that farming and getting stuff done was more so, but it seems like his dad who was a little bit better at acting this week as he was those two lines he delivered, uh-huh. um, I guess episode two, but at the same time, sees some of the value in football and being a part of a team when, uh, Dallas Tinker came in to be to help out while everybody else was at the party. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like his dad starts to respect him, and then he gets that in- injury, which I couldn't really tell what it was. I guess it's like a knee or something. Yeah, I don't know if it twisted his knee or his ankle or crushed a bone or how serious it is or not. So I guess we'll have to see. But you know, I can see though with with Tinker coming in and being. Uh, you know, wanting to come and give, and even the kind of the the little line that he gave to 
Luke's dad saying, you know, well, Luke's one of the, he's holding the team together. He's one of the leaders. And, you know, I feel if I'm helping out Luke, I'm helping out the team and it's all about the team. So I think that you're going to see more tinker with, uh, with Luke there. Yeah. I kind of, <laughs> I like the fact that I did not expect him to be uh handy with, uh, with building a fence. Right. That's, that's something that <laughs> he seems like a good guy though. His granddad was in construction, so. Yeah, I guess so. And he does like to eat the French fries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that there were lots I'm, of little. No, go ahead. Well, I, I was just surprised that there were cattle rustlers in 2009 in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is West Texas, though. <laughs> Looking at the Vince story, though, do you, you see his mom cleaning up more and more, which seems to be uh, a good thing. You know, she was clean last week for being able to come to Vince's ball game. And then she came to, to thank coach. And I thought he delivered that good line about, you know, it's not that I gave it to him. He earned it and you should be proud of it. But she was saying that she seemed him in a different light, almost like a little kid happy about football and life. And so I, I think that was, you know, when I guess when he came to ask Vince, you know, you just check on him. I thought it was a powerful line. When he says, well, you know, if I break my ankle next week, are you still going to be coming around here checking on me? Or are you just, care about me because I can throw a ball and run fast. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty insightful actually because uh, there's got, there's an element of truth to that. Coach Taylor's not checking on Calvin Brown. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> true. Yeah, his mom is a very kind of a well put together crackhead really. <laughs> What do you mean? I mean, she just shows up and all of a sudden she's like cleaned up and articulate and assertive and everything. Right. Not really the characteristics of a crackhead you usually see. You know, we brought up the fact about the gun already, or the bag, excuse me. Um, How many times have we seen someone knock on Eric and Tammy's door late at night? A player, a parent, <laughs> something like that. It happens like every fifth episode, it seems. Yeah. But uh, it, if it is a gun in the back, which we assume it is, are they under any legal, um, I, I guess, you know, they have to obligation? Is there any obligation there for them to report that? Because we, A, know no crime that's been committed, just an assumption it was on school ground and he still didn't think it's on school ground and B he never said, Hey, this is a gun or that, you know, would you do something with this? But so is there any obligation on their part legally? Cause that's the way that the heaviness of the scene almost appeared. Yeah. I'm, I don't think so. Lyle, you've worked in a school system before. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I mean, if they brought it to you at school, there would be, right. but this was one of those things that I thought rang a little untrue. Because we all live in the South, and almost everybody we know has guns. Right. Yeah. Like if a kid, if a teenager had a gun, that's not really that big a deal. Right. Out of school. You know what I'm like? Every almost every yeah, out of school, like almost everybody I went to school with had guns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly. Well, I was talking to your brother the other day, Lyle, and uh, he said that he remembers like football guys having lockers in their game having. Uh, rifles in their game locker <laughs> so when they got through with the football game on Friday night they would then you know go to the hunting camp and spend the weekend there yeah I didn't know anybody kept them in the lockers even in the locker room but I knew lots of people that had guns in their cars and trucks in the parking uh-huh. lot yeah lots of people 
And again, just, here in the South, you've heard. That would be a shocking thing. I think maybe they had the Hollywood perspective of, oh, my God, kid's got a gun. Oh, my God. And granted, Vince probably is not going out deer hunting with <laughs> a, a, a nine-millimeter in a brown bag. But you wouldn't just freak out. Like, in real life, Eric would probably have guns in his house. Let right. me tell you a something, southern too. football coach. Yeah, I think yeah, that is very much a southern thing because I can tell you one thing. I've never seen my father-in-law hunt, but he has a loaded gun next to his couch, next to his door, <laughs> underneath the seat of his truck. I mean, he I mean, he literally has a gun everywhere. So, yeah, that is more of a southern thing. You, you, you're right. So I guess they and may have played it up. Thing, uh, sorry. Like, uh, they're playing up the that side of Dylan being so violent. To the point that it's a little cartoonish, like a small town where Vince says, "I've had three of my friends killed walking to school or whatever." Yeah, that's a little much. I, that's one of the lines that I was like, eh, "I don't know if I can buy that." Because East Dillon had been open in the last ten years. Yeah, well, they got to so, walk a long way to Dillon High. I know, over with the Panthers. Yeah. Um. No. I. Yeah. I. I would. Uh, agree. It, it, Dillon seems to me about the size of Tupelo, maybe a little bigger. And when if any type of violence results in death in Tupelo, it's like huge for months at a time. Now, is now when we want to talk about uh, Assistant Principal Glenn? Oh, let, me ask that you whole thing. let me ask you this. If Vegas was setting odds on a fight between Eric Taylor and Principal Glenn, how big of an underdog is Glenn? Are we talking like 40 to 1, like Buster Douglas and Tyson, or is it even bigger than that? Uh, I'm making three digits. Yeah, three digits. Yeah. 107 to 1. You know what's funny is after he did it, um, after he made the move on her, um, and he kind of stammers and stutters, he, he kind of says, don't. And it, I could almost complete the sentence as like, don't tell your husband, please. You know? Like, I thought that's what he was going to say. But she did yeah, she never tells him much of anything about what goes on with her school. Yeah, well, you know. well, that's not a school thing. I mean, I can see her not wanting to brag too much about the blue ribbon thing or whatever, but that is a. Mm. But I mean, the that, car was vandalized at the superintendent's office. Um, she never told, uh, assumingly, any of that. She never told him about her coworker, her understudy, making a pass at her. You know, a drunken pass. Where he, by his own admission, mouth raped her. Oh um, yeah, that was the worst line ever. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, and I've seen enough television to know that there's always someone listening somewhere, and they're having a very open and his voice was <laughs> echoing in that auditorium conversation about what happened and what shouldn't have happened, what can't happen again. I can only imagine JD, you know, and one of his cronies <laughs> in the sound booth somewhere, you know, get, you know, listen in and now it's going to come out sometime later on. I have no idea if that happens, but I'm just saying they're having a very private conversation in a very public manner. Here's the thing. We've never seen Eric actually get physical with anybody, but you just get the sense that he would just thrash people if he ever got <laughs> properly motivated. Oh, we did. He hit, he hit Peter Berg at the end of season too, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did. I just was thinking and, that when Cash was with Tyron, he didn't even get physical with him or McCoy or right. but yeah, he yeah. did. I forgot. He pulled that. He pulled that coach off of Riggins too. You remember that? That didn't he? Or like, uh, he, didn't he get up in the face? Or I can't oh, remember. That, you remember that? Is when that, that coach tackled Riggins. Riggins yeah. is about to run for a touchdown, and that 
He just threw him against the wall, though. He didn't swing at him. Yeah, now, Riggis, he'll swing at people, apparently. Oh, my gosh. That was a – yeah. That – um, you could – that, for me, was – we have affirmed his uh, his daddy role with Becky yeah. this time. There's no, there was no like weird. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that he won't be conflicted at times, but that was definitely a, a swing in the more positive direction. That was Mud Bowl Part Two. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I love, man, think, that guy. He 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 was baiting that guy a little bit. You think? Well, starting with the guy to begin with, he comes in and he brings his 16 year old daughter. A little stuffed bear like that was, you know, probably the last time he's really been around her. She was a little girl or thinking that his old tricks would work. And she acted like Becky acted like, you know, she was loving it and all. But um, even like the night that that Becky ended up coming to the the strip tease party at Riggins Riggs with Kit Kat, um, she was saying, you know, my, who knows where my mom is and my dad's at a bar. And I'm thinking, OK, you're only in town for a few days, buddy, but you're still going to a bar instead of hanging out with your daughter. So I think that does accentuate the daddy issues there even more so. But um, Tim knew that he was an easy target because he'd been at a bar. Uh, what's his name? Walt. And um, But I'm wondering, is Tim taking some of his own frustrations about his dad out on Walt? Yeah, I th- that's what I was thinking is that when, when she came and she told him all that, and you, I just thought that he was really frustrated. He's like, I can't, you know, I can't believe that this guy is such a scumbag. And it's like he held his tongue for so long that – you know what I mean? And maybe Riggins' best line of the night was when he goes, you know, you and I both know that you don't even give a crap about your daughter. And just put it out pretty bluntly right there. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he threw the uh, the roundhouse on him that, that really fired him up. Yeah. About, about his, <laughs> had sex with your wife? Yeah. <laughs> it's his ex-wife. Why does he care? <laughs> I don't know, but um, it was obvious that he was, you know, he wasn't backing down. I think he was kind of baiting. I think he was kind of ready to fight. Oh, he was leaning forward into it, yeah. Yeah. Although he did get thrown. He he got tossed into the mud first off. and But um, he got him three or four good licks there and left him in the mud. You know, Riggins, and this happened, you know, that's not the first time. You know, he went and um, got in a fight when he found all that stuff about his dad and the camera, you know. Remember uh-huh. he got the tar beat out of him by that guy? Yeah. Was that? You remember that? In it, the was first the math, it was the math dealer and his friends, I believe. Right. Gave him a beating. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, in uh, the first season, his truck took a beating, too. <laughs> By the, uh, the, the angry teammates. The offensive of, uh, lineman. Jason Street. Yeah. Of course, we think, you know, Tim was only a sophomore at that point uh, in hindsight. So he shouldn't, right. he shouldn't have been messing with the senior quarterback's girlfriend. Right. Well, that's just underclassman hazing at the time. <laughs> um, uh, I, we haven't talked very much about. Um, I thought Landry had a lot of funny. Um, Again, yes. Quips. I, I, I thought. Um, he did. Uh, he talked about the book club, and he <laughs> said the book was Twilight. You do know it's Twilight, right? Yeah. For some reason, that just that slayed me because you know all these like. Preteens and teenagers are reading Twilight like it's some great piece of literature. And then yeah. he, this line where he goes, you do see the irony of the term academic smackdown. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. But he also s- had an uh, emotions of Chuck Norris t-shirt on. Yes. T-shirts? <laughs> and they're all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. It's like angry and it just shows him standing with his beard and it's like sad. Just shows him. Sa- 
do uh do do you think that Julius is gonna have an ultimate meltdown there? Because you see Landry trying to comfort her, and of course she got I guess it may have been the kicker of all uh kicker of all um questions, questions. there. Yeah. That's that's pretty that's pretty horrible luck <laughs> for you to be experiencing that. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty spot on. I agree. With her current situation. And then we Tyra never showed up, you know, at the, at the rest stop. And he said he was at a rest stop, but look, he was just pulled off on the shoulder of the highway um, there. I never saw anything other than that, but it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking straight ahead. I'm not looking left or right unless, you know, but I assume you are. So, But, you know, I think that just opens the door. I cannot wait to see the Crucifictoria song dedicated and, and based upon Jess Merriweather and, or maybe Ray's Barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> It could be like a metal song about all um, the happy emotional faces that she makes during football games. <laughs> and she, and I'm she glad makes... that he finally played the "I'm in a band" card to make himself look cool. <laughs> It'd have I've a been car. waiting for him to do that. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jess must make a mean pulled pork sandwich. I didn't think they had Apparently. pork barbecue in West Texas. That's beef barbecue, man. I went to a restaurant, a barbecue restaurant in West Texas or in Texas one time, and they didn't have any pork at all. You know, last week Vince was talking about how good the ribs were, the baby back ribs. Yeah, I, maybe I, I guess that I guess that's pork ribs too. Huh? They make brisket all the time. That's beef barbecue. What I had a big um, argument with my Texas friends one time about which was better. The, the episode itself ended kind of abruptly to me, though. Um, I guess you know, it was a Landry at, ended up going and talking to uh, to Jess, and then Riggins <clears throat> looking at the uh, wanting to take Skeeter out to let him do his thing, and he started looking at the land there and saw the for sale sign. I mean, it is reduced, but is Tim all of a sudden coming into some money? Let me tell you something. I. We live in probably the lowest real estate area, like cost of real estate area in the country. Maybe there's, I mean, I'm sure like out west, like Wyoming, there might be some very cheap real estate. But I could not afford 25 acres. And I'm married with two incomes and, you know, we we both have okay jobs. Like, (laughs) he must uh, be expecting to make some money off this chop shop if he. I don't think at this point he knows about it. At the chop, really? the chop shop idea, I'm assuming. From looking at the previews for next week, I'm assuming. Oh, I haven't seen him yet. Because he seems to get kind of ticked off at Billy about the chop shop idea. Um, but anyway, I'm just, I, yeah, I agree. He has no money. He's trying to scrounge up, you know, buck 67 to finish off his Whataburger bill. Um, <laughs> and and I don't know if he's just thinking of a new beginning or, or what, or just a place for, you know, Skeeter and Kit Kat to, to you know, run around. Or I don't know, but it just seemed kind of an abrupt ending. Yeah, but uh, haven't they all felt that way? Like every single one has ended, and I'm like, that's it. Yeah, good point. Well, I'm going to read. Uh, is there anything else about the episode? I had a couple of emails and then a voicemail or two that we we're going to take a listen to. Do you have any more feedback about the? I mean, anything from you guys specifically about the episode? No. Uh, <laughs> well, my only thought. If, if you're in a failing school and you really want to turn into a blue ribbon school, a good way to do it is to ship all the bat students out to a different school. 
<laughs> yeah. That will probably make your academic rating go way up, just like it did at Dillon. I'm, With the exception that they have two students who are looking at Ivy League schools. I'm assuming that Landry uh, yeah. uh, could be, but um, that's a – and it's not like Whitehaven High School in Memphis has a lot of Ivy Leaguers that are going – you know, like that is – that is a pretty successful rate for them to be a such a poor school. I'm glad that they didn't fail to mention the fact that Tammy did go through a lot of hassle with the uh, football programs and things like that. That they didn't gloss that over completely, not like it never happened. It does seem to be like at least there's another side. Like the whole town isn't football crazy. Like there's this other side of people who are like kind of offended by the fact that football is like such a huge thing. Glenn but in and the all end, the lady teachers. Yeah, exactly. Because there's one other guy there at that entire karaoke party. Um, they actually sound like the faculty at any SEC school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, one more quick thing. Sure. Is it believable that Luke's dad is a rancher in Texas who has no desire in his son being a football star? A good point. Good point. Uh, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of – like, I don't know. I know some farmers who aren't into football. But he probably really? does want his <laughs> – I do. I do. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to read a couple emails. And the first one is from our uh, first international listener. Um, this is from Simon Walsh. And he says – he says, hi, guys, Simon here from Dublin in the Republic of Ireland. I just want to drop you a quick note and say congratulations on a great show. I'm a big fan of Friday Night Lights. really enjoy the discussions you have. Most of the people I know have become as addicted to it as I have, and I've been recommending the podcast. I don't know if you have listenership figures or information. Do you get much international listenership? I'll try to email again. <laughs> Maybe if you guys are looking for ideas and feedback on the podcast, it's been great so far. Keep up the good work. And that is from Simon in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so uh That's I, I was I was impressed. <laughs> wow. That is hilarious. Oh <laughs> like what I can't believe that a show about football rings so rings so true over there. Yeah. Which actually he shows probably thought it was about football. soccer. <laughs> football. <laughs> but um, I think that may be a testament to just the uh the fact that the storylines are not really about football. But that's yeah. just kind of the backdrop. It's really about the people themselves. And so if it can translate into uh, somewhere over in, in Ireland, um, I think it's impressive. So, Simon, we appreciate you, you listening. Um, I look forward to your feedback again. And as far as the, the international listenership, after his email, I ended up going and looking. And there are, a, I won't say a, a lot, but there are some surprising numbers of, of uh downloads we've been getting from different countries and many you know ireland is not, ireland is not that absurd because they do speak english but there have mm-hmm. been some like from china i'm <laughs> thinking are you serious so I, I don't know if it's just people that maybe <laughs> you said it was surprising the numbers like one is surprising <laughs> <laughs> agreed agreed yeah. but uh i don't have the stats right in front of me right now but i like i said i was not expecting I was not expecting to have that many there. Um, and another is from uh, from Kate. And we actually have a voicemail from Kate as well. But she says, I'm writing first to say thanks for awesome Friday Night Lights podcast that you got going. It's so great. I work, <coughs> I work for a magazine in New York and look forward to it every Thursday or Friday to listen to your show. 
I was wondering, have you ever had a girl on the show to give a little bit of female perspective? What are your thoughts there? As a huge fan of Friday Night Lights, I know that there's probably other girls out there who listen to your show and would love to maybe have the element in it some way. Just a thought. Keep up the great work. You guys are funny. Uh, you are especially funny when you said recently, what did football do to that man? In response to Jess's ad, I kept thinking of that as well. He was so inexplicably scarred from football. And then all of a sudden, he's gotten over it and decided to have a huge pep rally with all these awesome old guys who say things like, we are lions during the corporate prayers. It was quite a sudden shift. Um, and we, haven't, we haven't seen him lately, uh, Jess's dad. He wasn't at the, at the barbecue place yesterday as, as Landry went to go pick up some pulled pork. But um, I don't know. Again, uh, thanks, Kate, for the, for the uh, email. Like I said, we got a voicemail from you as well. But she actually said that she goes to – she and her husband go to uh, one of the local watering holes there in New York, and they project the show up on the, the wall. And there are a huge amount of fans that come and watch, and there's actually drinking games for for Friday Night Lights that the bar has. And so I, I'm interested to see exactly what those – Drinky games until, <laughs> like what is it? Every time they say "clear eyes, full hearts," <laughs> I guess so. Every, every it has time, to be something that's regular, though. Every time Calvin Brown, you know, comes in with his <laughs> gold chain. Yeah, uh, we they should start a drinking game just for the podcast. Every time we stutter and stammer and sound unprofessional, <laughs> or make a reference that nobody understands but us. Well, we, we don't we don't want to contribute <laughs> to the delin- <laughs> we don't want to contribute to the delinquency. <laughs> Slow down. They'd be drunk after seven minutes. <laughs> um, um, Alex. Uh, well, what do y'all think about the female perspective questions she asked? Um, I, I think that, A, we could get some some feedback in, in the way of, of voicemails, obviously. But as far as having someone in on the conversation with us, um, I'm okay with that now and then. If, if there's One of the things that I told her was that um, – for Russ, Pat, and myself, our wives actually watch the television show too. And she suggested, what if we set up a wives podcast one week, even if it was. <laughs> oh. I just, I mean, my girlfriend gets sick of me talking about it. So I didn't figure she'd want to talk about it herself. I know. I know. My wife, my wife rolls her eyes when I'm saying, okay, it's time to go do this or sign to watch this. Or I got another email about Friday night lights. So. I would I would love to hear Bev and Sarah and Anna and Reagan all talk for an hour about the show. Would it make it over eight minutes? Um, how much of the, the time do you think they'd just be spent making fun of us and uh, our obsession with it? Oh, <laughs> agreed. The majority. Yeah. Okay. Um, and let's go further. This Al- is not very entertaining for anybody else. Alice Goki. Uh, said, I like the podcast. I listened to it for the first time, and you guys are talking the stuff that I want to talk about. I like to say about the episode, The Sun, Zach Guilford is a great actor, and I get the chills in the scenes in The Sun, and always during the second episode of the first season. Tim Riggins was carded in the first season, uh, Sergeant Riggins, when he brought Jason Beer. So we... <laughs> We'd ask the question, yeah. has, uh, has Riggins ever been carded or do, or do teenagers ever get carded? Because, you know, with Becky, who is newly 16-year-old, um, that was the thing that she got, she got right there. Um, and then finally, Randall, uh, Randall, who is from Texas, he says, first, I would like to start by saying thanks for the great podcast, but one of the TV's greatest programs. 
that's on the air right now. I live in Austin and have about an hour's commute to and from work. And your podcast is one of the things that's keeping me sane. I recently finished listening to all the previous episodes and like that you're able to get some of the folks associated with the show and the podcast. I think your insights are interesting and you have some good questions for those that are being interviewed and the recaps bring back some of the show. I'm looking forward to this week's episode. I believe it'll be one of the most emotional episodes ever. As Seven, Matt Saracen, prepares to leave the show, I think that he'll face his toughest decision yet, to stay in Dylan with his grandmother and Julie or to let them go and follow his, his father's footsteps and join the military. Mm-hmm. As, as for Vince and Luke, hopefully the issues between them are solved and they can work together to bring the lines together as a team and maybe they get a couple wins this season. I predict that they'll get the win the next couple of weeks, but then when they go against West Dillon, they'll lose, but J.D. will get hurt and thus ruin the Panthers' run to the state title. I do believe the Lions will compete for the state next season, and they'll win it at that point. And so that's, that's Randall from Austin. Um, and he brings up a good point about Vince and Luke, and I actually had a friend uh, suggest to me, what, can you see Vince and Luke being almost a Kirk and Spock relationship? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I I got that text from you. I, that's I don't know if I can make that connection, friend. Enemies at first. Uh, I read the text. And didn't even respond. Because I know <laughs> really like Kirk and Spock. I saw the the movie. <laughs> but I, I don't know if you're talking about one of them is like really logical and the other one's like a wild man. Is that what you're getting at? One was from another planet. Uh, <laughs> and they don't. Well, they don't like each other at first, but then they have to like bond together for the good of the enterprise, aka East Dillon Lines. So, oh, that's every good. sports movie ever made. <laughs> that's not just. I mean, that's remember the Titans, man. And, and then their, uh, you know, captain and and you know, first mate, just like you know, you run the Wildcat. Um, although the Wildcat has taken a hit now with Luke being out, we didn't mention that. Yeah, uh, yeah. we'll see. I, was I mean, more like uh, this reminds me of Allen Iverson. <laughs> he's like really smart and he plays really hard we're talking he, about you know, practice he gives it all and he wants to win <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but he's got kind of like this other side where he's like having trouble extricating himself from this other lifestyle he's got you know we're talking about practice not a game <laughs> have you seen that remix oh yeah press hop that's one of the best yeah, it's funny one of the best things if, you, if people don't know what we're talking about Alan Iverson somebody took a uh, a press conference that, that he did and re-edited it and remixed it and put in some uh, other NFL coaches, Dennis Green, uh, Jim Mora. Uh, who was the other? Not Jim Mora. Uh, Gandy from Oklahoma State. So Gandy. Man. I'm a man. Anyway, yeah. it, was, it was genius. Um, um, I, we should read emails every week. This makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> well, I, yeah, are there any negative ones? Talking about how we're all a bunch of country bumpkin rubes. No, no. Actually, there's uh, somebody that says that we sound like some of the people on this television show. That uh, we we have some of the country, the southern accents, I guess, like uh, like some of the characters. But you know, with Randall being there in Austin, <laughs> I would I would suggest that he you know try to obviously just finish filming this season, but to maybe become an extra if he could this next. Uh, <laughs> This next season five. There you go. You get another in, another interview of somebody. But uh, he mentioned. Yeah, and it doesn't even matter if you're 30 years old. They might catch you as the running back who's a sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I could pull off a, a like a wide out, I think. Like the third down possession receiver. Well, you know, Landry <laughs> went from you know being at least a special team starter and actually caught a couple of passes his junior or sophomore year maybe. Uh, for for West Dillon, and now he's just a scrub kicker. 
for East Dillon. He doesn't even see the field unless he's, you know, trying to kick a extra point. Sure. Maybe yeah. competition's raised the level there for uh for uh, for East Dillon. He's just the chameleon of the the football team. You used to play special teams. You used to do all kinds of stuff. He's multi. He's multi. Well, um, and Randall mentioned too just some of the the interviews and being able to get some perspective. We had last week an interview with it was Drew Waters who plays Coach Wade Aikman. But um, next week we do not have a uh, an episode to talk about. So we may we're going to talk about a few different things. We look back over the the seasons that we've already had and some of the things that have been maybe some head scratchers. But too we we do have an interview with Lamarcus Tinker who plays Dallas Tinker and um. Here's a short little blurb that hopefully will bring you back to, uh, to want to listen to that. I still didn't know who the guy was. We had not exchanged names or anything of that nature. Uh, I told him I was ready for him. He walks over to the pool table, calm, cool, and collected. All of a sudden, all these people start surrounding the table and we're playing pool. Well, that pool game ended very quickly because I hit the eight ball in, so I beat myself. Right. Well, come to find out, the guy that I was playing pool with was Peter Berg. That's the interview that we'll be hearing next week. And we're going to play one voicemail from Kate. We talked about her email that she sent a little bit earlier already. But um, here's what she had to say. Hey, Blake. This is Kate Lascon. Um, I just want to say, first of all, thanks for responding to my email. Um, I was excited to get it. And I'm, I just wrote you back. And I feel like even though it's long, it's just embarrassing. And I'm sorry. But it's just kind of excited. Um, I didn't get to say how great the most recent show was, and I really agree with all you guys about how it was the best show, or top five, if not the best show. I just wanted to say um, the only element that I felt like didn't really get covered in the show was just someone made the crack about how Riggins didn't sort of get with Becky or didn't go all the way because he didn't. He draws the line of multi-generational sort of swings, but I also think it had to do with um, sort of the father figure role that I think he's assuming and that that was the theme of the show. Um, and so I think hopefully, my hope is that he sort of continues in that vein and is the father to her that she obviously needs. Um, okay, well... That's all I have to say, and we're really loving your show. My husband and I love listening to your podcast here on NYC, and I'm telling everyone I know about it. So New York City loves you guys. All right, bye. Well, again, thanks, Kate, for uh, the the kind words and uh, spreading the word about the podcast there in New York. And um, I, I'm thinking you're right that, that Tim, especially after this last episode that we saw on Wednesday, is definitely looking more towards the big brother issue at least or father figure for for Becky instead of looking for um any sort of relationship or any sort of interaction there. And hopefully she sees that as well. Maybe he'll buy that a field and build a house for her so she can live and create a life for herself. She and Skeeter. Uh, it's almost Greek tragedy or something like he slays the father and then takes his place. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I think that about wraps it up. And again, if anybody has any any feedback, uh, you can always email us at fnlpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 662-259-0185, and we can get your uh, voicemail on here. And we'd love, if you're an international listener, uh, we 
would ask that you would leave a voicemail too, and we could get some uh, some accents and some flavor as a part. But uh, at the same time, any feedback is, is welcome there. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at FNL Podcast is our Twitter name. And um, again, we ask that if you are listening, why not leave us a, a review over on iTunes? Uh, it's, it's a good way to kind of get the word out, and it'll raise the show. Uh, it's awareness a little bit there too, but um, continue to spread the word. If there's any way we can help, anything we can do, um, any suggestions you have, don't hesitate to give us a call or give us an email. Hope everybody has a all great right, Christmas. Shout out, shout out to all our peeps in uh, Beijing, Dublin, and New York. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good one, guys. <laughs>